Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. About 10 minutes ago, there's two people here. <laughs> it's good to see you all, and welcome. Um, I'm a little boomy. Mm, that's my note. We're going to start. I, uh, I know that you just prayed. I want to pray one more time just for a few things specifically. So if you would join me. Father, we thank you again for being with us and meeting us here and being in this place And Father, we want to lift up a few things before you this morning. We want to lift up the people in our community who are sick or struggling with their health. And we ask that you would heal them and that you would be with them and that you would be the God of all comfort to them. We want to lift up our pastor Sam and Brian and Jordan as they are in Ireland this morning. And pray that you would, uh, you would speak to them in mighty ways at this conference that they're going to. Um, I want to pray for the people of Ukraine. And I don't even know how to pray or what to say, but I know that you know. So we pray that you would bring comfort and healing and restoration and an end to the violence. And Father, we just uh, pray for this morning that as we... Um, have this time to talk as we have this time to look at your word together and as we go through these spiritual practices, Father, that you would speak to us and that you would open the eyes of our hearts and that you would uh, speak to our minds and that you would be glorified in all that is said and done here this morning and that you, Father, would, put a, uh, would have a smile on your face as you're here with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. few announcements. Um, hey, everybody. Hey, guys. Um, Full Circle with Jordan is a Saturday. I think he'll be back, right? I don't think so. <laughs> I saw that he posted it, so maybe he's got someone leading it for him. But uh, I know that he posted it a couple days ago before he left. So uh, Full Circle is Saturday at 5 p.m. at the Works Building, right across the parking lot. Um, Typically, on Sunday mornings, we have a children's ministry, but it's not today. There's not one happening. It's usually at the works building also. Um, but I bring that up to say, if somebody feels so led to be involved in the children's ministry, we could use a couple extra hands there. Um, so there is opportunities to serve. We're a small little congregation, but there's lots of stuff that, um, lots of opportunities if you guys want to get involved or more involved. Um, children's ministry worship team, 
um, kind of getting uh, us plugged in with some of the, the uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, the partner ministries that are in our area. So uh, we've, we've worked with a few, but just kind of getting those relationships uh, to a place that we're more involved and more often involved with what they're doing so that we uh, can help the people in our area. And also, maybe there's something that you are very passionate about that we're not doing, and maybe pray about starting something. Um, and those are the announcements. You can give the... the uh, <laughs> I see Rick shuffling. There's a slide for this. There it is. Uh, there's plenty of ways to give. You can give here if you're here in person, but um, we know that many of you are watching online, so there's ways to give. You can find the links to all these on our website, which is thegenesisstory.com. All right. We're going to continue today in a series that I started last week, and uh, the series is called Spiritual Practices. Today we're going to talk about changing the way you think. You ready? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, oh no. I've done that once and I don't want to do it again. Um, so 15 years ago, Dr. Carol Dweck, did I say that right? Dr. Carol Dweck, uh, who's a, a very renowned researcher in her field. She is uh, widely regarded as one of the top leading researchers in the field of personality, social psychology, and developmental psychology. She wrote a book that some people, you might have heard of it as a bestseller, it was called Mindset. And it became like a very popular book amongst educators because there was a whole section of the book that was dedicated to education. But also it was about relationships. And it was also about business. And it was about success. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of different elements of the book. It's really fascinating. I know about it because um, somebody in my life is an educator and was talking about this book all the time, and um, I picked it up, and I skimmed through it. It was pretty interesting. It was updated five years ago. Now it's called uh, Mindset, the, the New Psychology of Success. Oh, I'm sorry. That was what it was called. The new update is now called Mindset, Changing the Way You Think to Fulfill Your Purpose or to fulfill your potential. So I thought about that book when I was doing this work this week because I was like, yeah, it's so interesting that this book was so popular because her, her research discovered that the kids in school uh, had one of two mindsets, a change or a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. And I'm going to... This is very layman. I'm not a psychologist or a doctor. But... Um, Essentially, if you have a, a fixed mindset, it means that you have limited yourself. You've kind of said, I've tried that once and it didn't work, so I'm not going to try that again. Or you've said, I've learned all I need to learn about this, and so I'm not going to dedicate any more attention to this because I'm good. So you have, if you have a fixed mindset, you're kind of limiting your potential. But if you have a growth mindset... You stay curious, and you always want to learn more, and you have, I guess what you would say, an open mind 
to possibilities. So throughout your lives, you build a mindset. It starts in your childhood. It's the collection of beliefs that you've come to hold on to over the years. I know for me personally, when I was in high school, I had some really good teachers. And I know that they worked really hard to teach me about you know, history and uh, the Pythagorean theorem, right? And beautiful poetry of William Wordsworth. Those are the, like some things that pop Bunker Hill. Like these things that popped in my head. I remember the teachers really working hard to teach me this stuff. But really, I was thinking about other things. I was thinking about the lyrics on the latest U2 record. <laughs> and I was thinking about my social profile at school. Um, I was thinking about how little I would have to do to get a passing grade. <laughs> and I was probably thinking about Nicole Minder, but that's another story. Um, so again, Miss, uh, Miss Dr. Dweck, sorry. She says that there are two kinds of mindsets. There's fixed and there's growth. Your system of beliefs is either set in stone because you think you've learned enough. You've got a safe space where you believe what you believe and it works for you. Or there is growth or progressing. You stay curious. And once some of those beliefs that you've held on to for so long get challenged, rather than going, oh, no, you're wrong, you say, well, tell me about that. I'll let my beliefs be challenged if there is something good to learn from it. Does that make sense? One is fully baked, the other is still baking. <laughs> you can still add some ingredients to this one. So as we go through the rest of the series, it'll be today and next week, I think it might get a little challenging. It might feel like someone's rattling the cage a little bit. It's going to call you to add some new ingredients to your cake. But more than that, it brings some, some awe and some wonder back into your walk with Christ, back into your relationship with God. Also, when I was thinking about this, I thought about the book of Romans. So if you have scriptures and you'd like to read along with me, it'll be up here too. Uh, Romans 12.1, Paul writes... Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'm going to read that one more time in the message translation, just a, a modern paraphrase of the Bible. And uh, it says, Paul again, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. 
Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Romans is a, is a fascinating book. It's Paul's longest book. It's his most detailed account of his theology. He is also writing to people who were at the epicenter of all power and politics and uh, the culture being set. It's like if you and I sat down to write a letter to a bunch of people in Washington, D.C. It's interesting to remember that, right? Who he's writing to, because he's not writing to Jews in Jerusalem. He's writing to Romans in Rome. And so he's very detailed, and he almost goes back to the basics. He wants to be clear, and he wants to... Uh, be thorough because there's a lot at stake. But he knows his audience and he knows that what he's going to say is going to challenge their mindsets. It's going to challenge what they think they already know. Rome is powerful. But in the first chapter, Paul says the gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You see, Paul knows who he's talking to. He knows that these people are like, this is, we're Romans. Like, this is, we're proud Romans. And he's saying, yes, but there's a greater power than Rome. It's the gospel. He goes through 11 chapters before we get to that little two verses that we just read. And I just want to paraphrase those chapters. Because he gets to that chapter, I always, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell the kids, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, so if you, we started on that, right, therefore, you have to ask yourself what it's there for. So you, it doesn't start there. He's transitioning. He's saying all these other things, right, this is, this is the gospel, this is the power of God unto salvation. He's saying all these things, and he gets to, to verse 12, and he says, therefore, this is your part. So really quick, <laughs> Chapter 2, he says, moralists are missing the point. Challenging stuff, he says, Gentiles might be closer to the way of Jesus by nature than some moralists, than some Jews, than, than some Christians. And he says, Jews might boast of the law because it was given to them, but that law also condemns them. Circumcision of the heart is more important than circumcision of the flesh. Chapter 3, don't count the Jews out, though, because God, his redemptive plan includes them, too. So, might leave you wondering, well, then, is the law relevant? Is it irrelevant? Chapter 4, well, Abraham was accounted righteous because of faith, not the law, not because something he did. All he did was have faith. Faith is imparted to us in the same way. We, therefore, are people of faith. Chapter 5, we access grace by faith. The law makes man's sin clearer and greater by clearly contrasting 
it with God's holy standard. So it contrasts sin with God's holy standard. The law shows that sin abounds, but Paul writes, God's grace abounds much more. Chapter 6, we are dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Chapter 7, sin can still control our actions despite of our wills. We must look outside of ourselves, or you might say within ourselves, to find Christ and follow him. That is what we call living in the Spirit. Chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Living in the Spirit means living as a child of God, becoming adopted and being joint heirs with Christ. Number 9, right after my favorite chapter comes one of the toughest chapters in all the Bible. God has the right to call anyone or everyone to himself. He loves people who live by faith. Number 10, I left out some hard stuff. (laughs) Number 10, self-righteousness, not God's favorite thing. Still, God says, I was found by those who did not seek me. Right? Paul quotes from Isaiah 65. And he says, I was found, this is God speaking, I was found by those who did not seek me. Think about that. God stretches out his hand even to the disobedient And then chapter 11, which is really important because it's right before we get to this verse in chapter 12. He says, uh, God's love and calling for Israel still endures. The Gentile Christians came from disobedience. Now he's talking to the Romans. He's talking to the people of Rome. The Gentile Christians, people who are converting, he says, came from disobedience. Yet God shows them mercy. Therefore, chapter 12. It's a huge setup. (laughs) But I didn't want to give you uh, just kind of, I've I've heard chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, taught so many different ways. I wanted to be clear. Paul is setting this up. He's telling a big story. And when we get to 12, he's he's like, this is all that God has done. Now, therefore, here's what you do. Your life, your everyday life, your sleeping, walking around, going to work life, all of that, going to school life, all of that is an offering. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is saying, stop holding on to the former things, the things around you, the things of the culture, the things, um, the former, you know, the pattern of the world kind of thing. He says, God loves you. God loves you. He's probably not as concerned with your politics as you think he is. He loves you. He's probably not following sports, except the Dodgers, probably. (laughs) He's probably not concerned about 
culture things that we are always concerned about. He loves you. He loves those things about you. He isn't a Roman citizen. He's not American. He loves us, people of all nations, tribes, and tongues. And he extends his mercy and invites you in. So Paul says in light of this, be ready, be ready. Remember, we talked about this last week, gird up your loins. Be ready for what's next because something's always coming. Something will always come. Be practiced. That's what it means to be ready. Be practiced. And literally change the way you think. Be renewed in your mind. Or as the message translation said it, be changed from the inside out. So I hope, in light of what Paul says, that we put on a growth mindset this morning, that we be curious about these things. And this, our, our first spiritual discipline of today, that's what we're talking about, like adding some disciplines to our lives or practices to our lives. The first one I want to talk about today is learning to hold on more loosely. In this spiritual practice, we learn to shift from being concerned uh, I'm sorry, we learn to shift toward being concerned with the truth, like the capital T truth that all of our beliefs point to. That means we shift away from being concerned about all of our beliefs. Hear me out. I know that sounds like what's what's going on from the pulpit here. It becomes more concerned with what those beliefs are pointing to. Does that make sense? So we've learned all these things over the years. If we've gone to church, we've learned a lot of different things. And sometimes we grab those things and, and white-knuckle them. You know what I mean? We, we hold on really tight to those things. And we forget that those things aren't supposed to be held on tightly. Those things are supposed to be pointing to Jesus. So learning to hold on more loosely we learn to shift toward being concerned with the greater truth that our beliefs point to rather than the belief itself. Think about how many, in my, at least in my own family, um, how many arguments at fam- family get-togethers about theology or a belief system or any of it, how many arguments have I had in the workplace with coworkers? I know I've told you guys about Jeb before. Jeb, is a, he's, he's still a friend of mine, but we used to work together a long time ago, and we shared an office. So we, we had to talk. <clears throat> but Jeb knew as a Christian... And Jeb was not. He was an atheist. And not just like your run-of-the-mill atheist. He was like, he subscribed to uh, magazines. So he would come in every day like, this isn't the Bible? And it would be like, you know, stone your disobedient children or let the, you know, the elders of the town stone your disobedient children to death. 
He's like, you believe this stuff? He would come in with the most challenging, the most like weird text in the Bible and, and like throw it on my desk and be like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> oh man, Jeb. Um, and then we would have arguments like all day. People would walk in our office and they would be like, I'll come back later. It was <laughs> really not productive. But the thing about it is, I was a younger Christian, and I was learning a lot, and I was, I, was, uh, I was holding on to my beliefs really hard because I didn't want to give him any edge in to, like, you know, crack my foundation. And, uh, you know, we'd argue. And sometimes I'd win, and sometimes he would, he would win. And um, then at lunch, he'd be like, hey, you want to get Chinese today? And I'd be like, all right. And we'd go get lunch. He invited me to play at an open mic that he that he uh, that he did just like a year and a half ago. So he's still like twenty years later. He's still you know. And I got together with him that night. He's like, "Hey, all that time I used to try to bust your chops." He's like, "I don't really do that anymore. I don't care what you believe." And I was like, "Thanks, man." I'm like, I'm learning to hold on more loosely now too. So you know what you believe, we can talk about it without arguing. Because really. When you do this, like, I keep thinking about, like, it's so embarrassing to think back on, like, arguing with him in the office and what people thought when they came in. I'm like, wow, that's what Christians do? Or family get-togethers, right? I had uh, somebody in my larger extended family that became a Christian uh, a long time ago when I was a kid. And he, I remember he'd come, and every family get-together, he'd want to, like, preach a sermon, and everybody else was like, dude, go outside and do that, man. I don't want to hear it. So finally he stopped coming around and kind of snubbed the family because he felt like they were rejecting him. And, you know, I think when I was a kid and I was, I was already bent towards loving God. Like, that was just how I was. So I felt bad for him. And then as I got older, I thought, what if he approached it different? What if it wasn't like, let me hammer you? With these words, what instead if you know he came and, and said, "Let me, let me love you differently, because God loves me." I don't know. I've. I feel like my own actions when I look back, I think it was so unbecoming of Jesus that I acted like that as his follower. In our world, people get shunned, people shun people, people hate others. People have gone so far as to kill other humans because they believe differently than they do. This is the supreme example of somebody who misses the point of their own religion. I believe in God. I believe in the Trinity. I believe in the resurrection. I hold very dearly to the person of Jesus but if somebody else in my life doesn't, am I supposed to argue them into the kingdom? Am I supposed to argue the finer points of you know, transubstantiation with somebody or the teachings of Buddha? I mean, I used to. And you can talk to Jeb. You can find him on my Facebook page. But as I have practiced holding on more loosely... My conversations have shifted. My 
practices, my beliefs. I try to make them point to the truth of Jesus. And in that, I think, the knowing Jesus, that's really what changes the way we think, the way we live. I'm not perfect at this. I'm not standing up here saying, I've, I've, I still get road rage. <laughs> but I'm saying, introducing somebody to Jesus is much more important than winning an argument about whatever it might be. Showing them Jesus. This is a difference, Jesus. I, I will tell one story about Jeb. In the office, one day, super busy. We, we, were, we managed a small business in Burbank, and it was super busy. And there was paperwork everywhere, and everything was like just a mess because nobody had time to sit down. And I just remember like, People were running in and out. We, had, we were late on something. Big, we worked in the entertainment industry at the time. So like, you can't be late to like, a Prince session. You know what I mean? And somebody was late, and so I was getting the phone calls, and all this stuff was happening. And um, I just remembered Jeb. Like, his hair was all disheveled. And I was sitting at my desk, and my desk was clean. And every, not because I'm clean, that's my wife. But this day, I had everything, everything was in order, and I was calm. And he was like, he's like disheveled, and he's like, how are you, how, how are you calm? And I was like, you really want to know, Jeff? <laughs> and he was like, don't start. <laughs> People of faith are far more attractive they're, uh, they attract far more people to consider their way of thinking when they speak with humility, grace, and love. When we, when we try to reflect Jesus to our relatives at those get-togethers, or to our workmates, or to our classmates, or to our immediate family, to our children... When we try to, uh, man, I, I, I'm struggling because it's so hard to say this because none of us are, live like Jesus. When I, I, was, I did a Google search and I was like, who are the people that lived most like Jesus? And there's literally nothing. Like nobody's, claim, nobody's claiming that. No one's saying, it's me, I've got this down. And maybe you know some. I know you know people in my life that have great wisdom that have learned this kind of stuff to hold on more loosely to to, to speak with grace and still truth, but in love. And I see that. I see that in Sam. I've seen that in a few other people who have been in my life. On the big picture, I, th- I think only, and you guys, some of you might disagree with me, but I see like Mother Teresa, <laughs> really like a great hero of mine, but like I see that, and in, even in her doubts, and even in her, uh, her quirkiness, if you know anything about her, she spoke with humility, she spoke, she spoke with grace, 
and she lived a life of love. People of faith attract far more people to consider their way of thinking when they speak with humility, grace, and love. In fact, if you need to hold on to something with a tight fist, let it be the fact that God loves you. Simple. Hold on to that tightly. He also loves the person you're struggling with. So if you need to be rigid, be rigid about loving others. And that's a practice. That doesn't always come natural. Loving your enemies is hard, hard work. So we practice. There's somebody that is hard to get along with at your workplace or in your home, if you have teenagers. (laughs) Practice loving them well. Practice it. Do something every day. Easier said than done, right? I have two teenage sons. I love them both. They're great kids. But man, you should see their rooms. (laughs) Um, All right. Second practice today. So, so far last week we talked about Practice thinking or calling yourself a person of faith rather than I'm a believer. And the reason for that is because believing is intellectual. It's it's something that happens in your head. But faith is an action word. So rather than say, I'm a believer, say, I'm a person of faith. That means I'm a person of action. Right? And that takes practice, because I say I'm a believer, that's, what, that's how I think of myself. But I'm changing that. <clears throat> Number two, we just talked about practice, holding on to beliefs more loosely, letting them become signs that point to Jesus. And number three, practice doing good. You, you might be like, I'm, I'm pretty good, I do that already. Cool, then you've already been practiced. <clears throat> I have some quotes I'd like to read. Um, from old-timer Christians, John uh, Christostom, he said, this is the rule of most perfect Christianity, its most exact definition, its highest point, namely the seeking of the common good, for nothing can make a person an imitator of Christ like caring for their neighbors. Caring for their neighbors. John Wesley said, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Practicing good in the world can look like a random act of kindness. It doesn't have to come with a Bible tract. It's just as simple as buying coffee for the person behind you at Starbucks. But it could be something much larger. It could be getting involved with For a Reason with Denise Gideon, who's helping educate children in Haiti. You might build a house with Habitat for Humanity or join in a toy drive that we do here at Genesis when we help some of the local 
uh, needs. The idea is that we practice doing something good every day. We put these things to practice so that it becomes part of our DNA. It becomes second nature, that we're ready when the opportunity arises. It's been said that you know who your true friends are when it comes to moving day. (laughs) Who shows up to help? So be that friend. By the way, I'm moving next weekend, so if any... (laughs) Just kidding. But it is funny, I live in an apartment complex in a rancho, and uh, we have... Uh, you know, the, when you live in an apartment complex, you have lots of neighbors, right? I know it's not literally your next door neighbor in the scripture when I know that. But anyways, I have lots of neighbors, and um, I, I just notice how hard it is. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's our age. I don't know if it's the area. I don't know what, I just notice that people don't look at each other. You know, they just walk by each other, and um, I want to break in. I want to be like, hey, and sometimes I do that, and they're like, oh, I've startled you. <clears throat> I got to be more chill, but uh, yeah, I, I want to do good for those people who feel like they have their walls up so hard because life has been so battling, and they don't even want to give anybody like a... a a glance, and it's, it's sad. That's where we're at, right? Mother Teresa said, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Could be a kind word. And one more quote. You've probably heard this before, but I think it's so fitting for Genesis. <laughs> Never doubt that a small body of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. I think by practicing doing good, that we are exemplifying the loving kindness of God. See, it's not the act, it doesn't get you into heaven, but God is molding you through your actions, to look more like Jesus through your practices. And that will, that will change, I think, the way you see the world, the way I see the world. C.S. Lewis says, did I say last quote? I have two more. C.S. Lewis says, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you. Every time you make a choice, you're turning the central part of you, he says, the part of you that chooses into something a little different than it was before. In Mere Christianity, he talks about that idea that like this, you make choices, and every choice you're either turning toward God or you're not. So, important stuff. And I know that every time you talk about doing good, there's this, there's this flag because you've and in church before and this thing pops up it's like well faith and works I don't want to 
I'm not going to get into this argument with myself. Because it was Jesus himself who said these ever-challenging words in Matthew 25. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. You know this story. Jesus himself is saying, like, I've given you everything you need. Go change the world with it. Go do good. Practice it. Dr. Dweck wrote the best-selling book about mindset showing that the way to reach your full potential, she says, is to teach yourself to have a growth mindset. That is, never stop learning, stay curious, be humble. So today we're going to wrap up. We've hopefully challenged some old ways of thinking or at least put some other things on your plate that you hadn't thought about before. A spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice can only be beneficial if you exercise them. Same is true of reading the Bible or praying or everything that you think of when you think of old school spiritual disciplines. Old school spiritual, spiritual disciplines like fasting, scripture reading, solitude, all wonderful. But we shouldn't trap ourselves to think that's all of it. The challenge from Paul is to renew our minds. Since God is merciful and loves us, since God's extending his hand to us, therefore, renew the way you think. Thinking of ourselves as people of faith, men and women of action. It means loosening our grip on our beliefs instead of instead letting those beliefs simply become markers that point to Jesus. It means that doing good becomes a practice too. Not just a once in a blue moon occasion when you're feeling extra generous, but part of our DNA. That we look for opportunities to speak kind words to help somebody, to make a difference somewhere every day. And once we start doing these things, then we're starting to live in the way, like Jesus. And next week, we're going to talk a lot about prayer. We're going to look at prayer from a lot of different angles. And hopefully, it'll make you a little uncomfortable. (laughs) But uh, that's all for now. Let's pray, you guys. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the depths and the richness of it. Thank you that we learn about you because of it. And thank you that you'd give us clear little tidbits that remind us that you've done something incredible. And therefore, we want to be imitators of Jesus. And we want to walk like him in his way. So we need you to do that. So Father, as we're here today, I pray, Spirit, you would fall. (laughs) I pray that you would fill us and you would remind us 
that we're not just people who go and sit and listen to someone talk on Sunday mornings, that we are followers of Jesus. We are people of faith called to action. Help us to do good. Help us to point to Jesus. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.